Proverbs 29. Proverbs 29. And let's go ahead and pray before we get into this message tonight. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you. Thank you so much for being here, for being with us, for being in us, the greater one who abides, who lives on the inside. Lord, we just thank you for uh, what you're about to do and say. Lord, we, we yield ourselves to you. Thank you for utterance and boldness in Jesus' name. Amen. In Proverbs 29 and verse 18, the scripture said, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint, but happy is he who keeps the law. And then the, the King James Bible says it this way, where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. All right, so we can see that having the right vision, which comes from the word of God, uh, is key to our happiness. Amen? If you're sad, it's time to change your vision. And where do we get our vision? Well, he said here, he who keeps the law. As we heard Sunday uh, and Saturday, we know that the law is not something that we're under, but we could just summarize and, 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 and say it this way, the Word of God. He who keeps the Word of God is a happy camper. Amen. That's another translation. But he will be a happy person. Amen. Do you believe that's true? Yeah. All right. Be a person of the word, and it'll change your emotional state, won't it? Change it from sad to happy. Now, we've been talking about, uh, this is the fifth part, and most likely the final part uh, of this series called Vision of Victory. We need to have a vision. It's important that every one of us, we were created to be vision type of people. Have you ever said to someone, you were explaining to them, and or they were to you explaining something to you, and they said, or you said to them, do you see what I'm saying? Oftentimes that language is used. Uh, technically, you might say, no, I hear what you're saying. <laughs> Technically, you don't see it, but what we're talking about is not seeing with the physical eye. We're talking about understanding, aren't we? We're talking about, do you see it? Can, can you envision this? Do you see what I'm sharing with you? And the Lord really created us to be people of vision. Uh, you know, our sight is so very, very important, our physical sight. But again, even more important is another type of sight, our spiritual sight. And we need to have the right vision. So, Without going back and, and, and reviewing too much of what we've said, uh, we last time ended talking about steps to a victorious vision. Steps to a victorious vision. You remember we said to you, number one, that we, in fact, that's all we got to, number one, is replace negative input with positive. In other words, there's a, if we're going to have a vision, we've noted already the connection between what we see with our physical eye and what ends up on the inside of us to the point where we can close our physical eye and still see it. Okay, And this is the area that we must realize that what we're constantly looking at, even physically now, not only physically, but even physically, will paint a picture on the inside. And whatever we have, whatever we see inside is our future. It's where we're going. If I can stay focused 
on the right thing long enough until that image gets reproduced in me, then that's what's going well, to take place. Now, I'm not much of a, uh, a photographer or a, a camera person, but some of you may be. Isn't that how photography kind of works? At least the old kind, you know, the, the, the film kind. It, w- it would transpose the image of whatever's out there onto the film. Somebody nod your head, because I don't really know what I'm talking about. Because <laughs> if, if everybody says, no, that's not how it works, then I'm going to use a different illustration. Because <laughs> I didn't plan this one. All right? <laughs> it kind of burns it in there. I really believe that our heart works that way, too. Okay? Well, we, what we look at, we take a picture, and if we look at something long enough, it burns that image on the inside, and what we see on the inside eventually then gets reproduced on the outside. It's really how God created things to work from the inside out. So if your camera is pointed at the wrong thing, then what's going to happen? Well, that image is going to be established inside of you. And over a period of time, sometimes it takes a while. It's not, this is not instant. Snap your fingers and overnight, there it goes. This is not instant photo. This is not Polaroid. <laughs> but over time, you send it off. <laughs> And it comes back sometime later. But that's what is going to be the reality in our lives. So again, it's important that we look at the right thing, even physically, uh, with our physical eyes. Of course, it is important what we think about and so forth. But we're to use our imagination in a positive way. God gave it to us. Imagine things getting better. Hmm. You see, say, is that really faith? No, not necessarily in and of itself, but it gives your faith something to believe for. Okay, when we have vision, a person of vision is going to be a person of faith. You're not going to have faith uh, if you don't have vision because your faith doesn't have anything to produce. Okay, and so uh, again, we're replacing negative input with positive. One of the ways we do that is by surrounding ourselves with positive people. Surround ourselves with positive people, those, not those who are saying the opposite of where we believe we're supposed to go and where it is our heart's desire and where the Word of God tells us we're supposed to go. I don't want to listen all day long to someone tell me I can't do it. Okay? Now, at the same time, hold that thought. If you're going in the wrong direction, you want someone to say, don't go there. Okay? So we don't want to just become blinded to reality. The fact is, sometimes we're not going in the direction we're supposed to go, and the Lord, by His mercy and grace, will send us someone who will help to steer us to go a different way. So don't automatically take every bit of criticism, so to speak, as being, that's the devil, that's just the devil trying to get me off my path. Well, it could be, but this is where we've got to be wise and and, and know who we're listening to and and pay attention to the Lord on the inside because sometimes we're going in the just going in the wrong direction. All right. But now, if I know I'm going the right way, number one, I have a word in the B I B L E, paints a vision of victory. Then I want people around me who support that. Okay. Uh, you know this from the Word of God. There were times when, uh, in 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 the ministry of Jesus, where a person would get healed person would get delivered just a miraculous thing and he would tell them uh uh not to go back and tell everybody you know some one of the reasons for that sometimes they were going back around a bunch of people who were full of unbelief that was the case certain areas had it strong whole areas were strong in unbelief like his hometown jesus hometown he he made mention of that 
Okay, there were other places that were just simply in rebellion. They wouldn't receive the word. The same thing's true today. There are different parts of our world, different parts of our country, and of course, different segments within every society and every city. Uh, it might be your family. <laughs> It might be your, uh, it might be different places that you go where everyone there is going to poo-poo everything that you do that's God. And every time you open your mouth with something bright and, and glorious and, and, and uh, you know, paints a good picture, they're going to try to talk you out of everything that you do. And, and that's a, just a difficult environment to keep your eyes on the prize and to keep, your, keep the right vision before you. Amen. Okay, again, we're not going out of this world. We're going to stay in this world and be a light. But there needs to be relationships that we have where uh, our, our vision is fed, not starved. What kind of relationship? Well, this relationship, church family, is one of those. Friendships, of course, is, is another one. Uh, you, you know, when it comes to the people we spend time with, uh, I believe that Christians should not be isolated from the world. And we should not run away from those who maybe don't believe like we do or have the, the strength that you may have or the faith that you... No, we need to be involved and, and, and there to help people. But, everybody say but. It's important to have your butt in the right place. But, those who are closest to you, those who you give your ear to, need to be of a higher standard. Pick wisely those who are real close to you. Doesn't mean that you're shunning everybody else. You're just, you only have so much time during the day. And, uh, and we minister to some, but some we get around and we know we're being fed and, you know, being a blessing. Iron sharpening iron, you know, you're, you're, it's a double-ended blessing in that relationship, okay? Both are valid. We should have times in our lives where we're helping others. But a ditch there is to continually, 24-7, think, I've got to be given to somebody. Well, eventually you don't have anything to give anymore. And if you can't maintain your vision of victory because of negative associates and those who are down in the mouth and down and on everything good, then eventually you become no help to them. Amen. Amen. And so we want to maintain a vision of victory by cutting off negative input and receiving and replacing it, of course, with positive. You remember, um, you remember we, we looked at the book of James and talked about how we must continue. Just like a person looks in the mirror, goes away and forgets what manner of man they are, we must look continually. So it's not a quick look, but it's a fixed gaze that we are to take. Now, now look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3 with me. 2 Corinthians the third chapter. Second Corinthians chapter 3. Now, if you've been with us for, for very long, you know we, uh, we taught this just recently in our glory series, the glory of God. But let's bring out this point again here. Second Corinthians 3 and verse 18. It says, but we all... With unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Notice what's happening to the person. They are being transformed into the same image. What do you mean? The, the same image as what? 
Well, they are looking as in a mirror and seeing the glory of God reflected back. And because they're looking at it, it's being reflected back, that is what they are becoming. What I am going to be tomorrow is directly tied to what I'm looking at today. What am I supposed to be looking at to produce a desired outcome tomorrow? I'm supposed to be looking at the glory of God in myself. In other words, I'm looking at the changed part of me. I'm looking at how Christ is in me. And a lot of how do I do this? I'm not looking at an actual mirror because I just see flesh. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? You just see the outside of you. That's not what I'm looking at. That doesn't produce any kind of special vision (laughs) to, to look at the outside. But we are to look at the inside. How can I look at the inside? I look in here. I look at the Word of God and I see what God has done in me and I continually look at what the Lord has done in me and if I'll continue to look at that, I will be transformed. That's outwardly now. Because inwardly I'm already that. I will be transformed into that. Isn't that one of the goals of our lives? Is to let... What God did instantly and miraculously by His power alone without any help from us, He changed us spiritually. And He made us perfect. You did not assist in that. All we did was say, I believe. I receive the Lord. And then it was all Him. It was all His work completely unhindered and untainted by any human failure or any kind of natural effort at all. So there is absolutely nothing wrong with the spirit of man that's been born again. And if I can keep my focus on that, I'm not seeing anything wrong. I'm not seeing any failure. I'm not seeing any problems. I'm not seeing any lack. I'm not seeing any sin. I'm not seeing any junk. I'm only seeing God's perfect work. I am His workmanship created in Christ Jesus. As I look at that, my life becomes that. If my outward life does not continually progress and look more and more like my perfected spirit in Christ, then I'm not looking at the right thing. Because the word says here, this person is being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. It gets better and better and better. The more I look, the better it gets. The more I stare and focus on the right thing, the more that vision transforms my life yay look at Matthew chapter 6 Matthew chapter 6 praise God Matthew chapter 6 and verse 22. It says, The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. Some translations use the word single. Your eye is single. If it's good, it's focused on something good. Your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. 
If therefore the eye, if therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And so again, we can see that what happens inside of us is a result of what we're looking at. Now, now understand this. We get, if any of you are like me, you analyze every scripture theologically. Maybe you're not like that. I do. And if, if you don't, fine. Uh, <laughs> I mean, don't be gullible. That's not okay. But, you know, some people are more given to just pick things apart. Okay. You type, so what do you say? If I look at the wrong thing, there's going to be darkness in me. I don't mean in your spirit. I don't believe, the Lord doesn't say, if you as a Christian, as a child of God, look at something that's dark, look at something negative, opposite of vision, it doesn't mean your spirit gets contaminated. Hmm. What it does mean is that your soul gets contaminated. Okay? Well, see, our spirits are changed. You know what? Look over at 2 Corinthians. Uh, six. You know, this was a scripture over here that, well, actually seven. Uh, I know for for a long time I just kind of read over it kind of fast because it bugged me. <laughs> you ever have those? <laughs> you think, ah, oh, what does that mean? I don't know. I'll just keep going. <laughs> uh, but over here, Second Corinthians seven. I said six, and I'm not wrong about six, but seven is connected to six. Did you know that? (laughs) Look at verse seven, verse one. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Now, this is written to Christians, and sometimes we read that, and I did that for years, and I thought, that does not agree with my theology. It does not agree with the rest of the New Testament as I understand it. Let us cleanse ourselves from filthiness of the flesh. I was good with that. Then he went on to say, Spirit, I'm a new creation in Christ. <laughs> you know, Hebrews talks about our, our, our spirits being made perfect. And here we say, he, he said, you need to cleanse yourselves from the filthiness of the flesh and spirit. How can you cleanse yourself from filthiness of the spirit unless the spirit is filthy? But yet I don't believe that it is. Do you believe that it is? In Christ, is your spirit filthy? Your spirit sinful? No, that's the part of us that's been made the righteousness of God in Christ. And the key to this verse is chapter (laughs) 6. Remember, it's always important to read the verse before. Because especially in this chapter... How many start a letter and you start it off with therefore? You know, you start an e- email to someone. You're going you're gonna to write them, a, write them a little letter. So you say, therefore, you're thinking, I must have missed the previous email, aren't you? Aren't you looking in your box thinking, they sent me another one before this. Otherwise, they wouldn't start with therefore. But yet we accepted it in the, in the Bible. We think, okay, new subject here, therefore. Because it sounds kind of spiritual, therefore. Because it's you. no. Basically, it's there because of chapter 6, which talks about, uh, for example, in verse 17, says, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord, do not touch what is unclean. In other words, filthy. 
when he's talking about separating or cleansing ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, he's not even talking about your flesh or your spirit. He's talking about somebody else's flesh, somebody else's spirit. All right. How are we to cleanse ourselves? Well, this is, this is talking about not touching and not being involved. And there's, there's a time and a place when we are to separate ourselves from some things and even at times some people. Do you know the Lord at times would have you and I to separate from people? So that, that's again, someone say, well, that's division. The Lord's not into, into division. Well, he might be. <laughs> he doesn't want the body of Christ to be divided or doesn't want husband and wife to be divided or something like that. But there are times when uh, there should be division. Amen. Because there's a problem and one thing is getting the other thing dirty. You know, if you go, if you go outside and get a brand spanking new clean white shirt on and you go outside and roll around on the ground, how many know you didn't get the dirt all clean? I don't know why, it just doesn't work that way. Wouldn't that be nice if you could get something clean on? And <laughs> but what happens is the dirt gets on you. And sometimes if you want to stay clean, you have to separate from certain things because it's going to affect your life. Amen. Again, your spirit's not being tainted. Your, the real you is not becoming a sinner, not becoming sinful. The real you still loves God, still saved and forgiven and washed and clean. But now we're responsible to make sure that we don't uh, get dirty. Amen. With the sins of others, again, but our, what's happening in us, inside of us, the thing that we can be contaminated then gets into the soulish realm. And that affects our life. And here, here we go. That affects our vision. And if my vision gets all clouded and all mucked up and all messed up because of wrong associations, then eventually that becomes my life. Everybody listening to me now? Amen. I don't, want anybody, I don't want anybody to miss this because uh, I, I know sometimes the Lord is just, it, it's a key to some. They're in situations and they're in some relationships. Again, I'm not talking about separating ourselves completely and not having anything to do with worldly people. No, we, we need to be a light. But we need to pay attention to the leading of the Lord. Sometimes people are trying to live for God and live a Christian life and there are some people in their life that are totally holding them, da- holding them down and holding them back. And the Lord would lead you. Listen to him now. Listen as he directs you. But the Lord would lead you to separate from, the, from some of these situations. Maybe it's only for a time. till you get strong enough where you can go back and minister again and be a blessing to them. But in the meantime, they're holding you down. Amen. You, you, you know, some of the way... I don't know, the way our flesh works is we oftentimes will do whatever we can get away with. And if we think that we can get away with something, in other words, it will be permitted, then we'll go ahead and do it. Sometimes we say in the middle of that, I just couldn't control myself. I just couldn't help myself. But the fact is, we can control ourselves and we can... Uh, you know, like someone said one time, uh, you know, who had, like the, like the man who was going to, uh, had, had trouble, he'd get so angry and he'd knock his wife around, 
And he said, I get so angry, I just can't control myself. And I just, oh, I don't want to do, be that way. I don't want to do that. But I get so upset. And I just, oh. And uh, someone said, well, what, I, I bet he could control himself if there was a 300-pound uh, man of steel, <laughs> you know, muscle-bound, strong person standing right next to him saying, if you touch her, I'm going to touch you. See, oftentimes what people say, I couldn't help myself, I couldn't keep myself from doing it, well, they really can. But we use that as an excuse. Hmm. Amen. And so, you know, we, we, need, we need to watch out. That we're not making excuses for our behavior and for different things, but the, the people around us oftentimes can influence us in a right way or in a wrong way. How many have ever known someone who didn't have a very good marriage things just weren't going so well I mean it was I don't mean their life was threatened or anything like that but they just didn't have the greatest marriage but you know they're sticking it out and they're trying to trying to honor their commitment and do what's right but then they had a friend a close friend or a sibling or something that gets divorced all of a sudden, they feel empowered. Seen this happen n- numerous times. Well, all of a sudden, they'll say they'll look at them and think, "Well, if they can do it, they won't necessarily verbal verbalize this." But they'll say, "Well, if they can do that, what's the big deal? They're still still okay. I'll just go ahead and do that too." What they did, they saw someone else do something. Uh, so, something they gave in. They didn't stick it out, and uh, it all of a sudden empowered them to live that way as well. See, we're, we're oftentimes influenced by these things more than we want to acknowledge. Hmm. And sometimes it's the associations. Remember, the scriptures say that he who walks with the wise will be wise in Proverbs. Is that 13? But the companion of fools will be destroyed. Is that true or is that not true? Some say, well, that's not true for me. <laughs> well, actually it is. Who was that written for? For everybody else but you? You know, remember uh, in the New Testament, Scripture says evil communications or evil, uh, how does it say it? King James, evil communications corrupts good uh, good morals. Evil companions corrupt good habits, another translation says. And, and these things are reality that, that oftentimes the negative input that comes to us is coming from associations that we shouldn't have. Amen. Amen. So I, so I need to just cut them off, huh? Yeah. So how do you do that? You say, it's over. Bye. See ya. Wouldn't want to be ya. Amen. Is that hard? Someone said, I'm, I'm, I'm going out with this person. A single person. I'm going out with this person. I don't feel like it's the right thing. Call them up and say, bye. They could get upset. Well, sometimes, you know, th- the, the more you get into it, it gets worse and worse the longer you stay. Praise the Lord. Look at Philemon with me. Everybody know where Philemon's at? Find Hebrews. 
and back up because it's real short. Philemon steps to a victorious vision, replace negative input with positive. Here's another one. Number two, it really goes right along with this. Uh, it's just simply speak, think and speak of yourself in line with the Word of God. If I'm going to have a, a vision of victory, I need to think and speak of myself in line with the Word of God. You can see how this connects very much with some of the other scriptures we just read. But in Philemon chapter 1, only chapter, and verse 6, it says that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every sinful thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Is that what that said? <laughs> Isn't that kind of, a, kind of happening a lot, though, in the body of Christ? People, because, you know, they're constantly told, you're nothing. You're, you know, we're just old sinners saved by grace what they're doing is they're trying to acknowledge or magnify what's wrong with people instead of what's right with people the scriptures didn't say acknowledge every evil or sinful thing but acknowledge every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus that's what we're instructed to do acknowledge every good Thing. There are a lot of good things in us in Christ. If we were to make a list, though, and we said, let's uh, take a sheet of paper, draw a line down the middle. On the left side, we're going to write down everything that's wrong with us. On the right side, we're going to write down every good thing. I have a feeling that the left side would fill up pretty easily. That many of us, we could say, okay, yeah, I got this, 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 and this. And we'd be able to make a list of things that are not right. But when it comes to every good thing, a lot of people would have, have trouble writing that list out. And then if you, and if you, especially if you add, someone will say, well, I'm a good driver. I haven't got any tickets. <laughs> or, or something like that. But the scripture says, acknowledge every good thing that's in us in Christ. And you know what? A whole lot of people would go, uh, I don't know what to write. That's a problem. That is one of the reasons people don't have a vision for their life that God has for them. They do not know what they have become in Him and in Christ. Not every bad thing that is in us in you in me say so there's not doesn't the bible say there's nothing good in us well paul said that in in in, in, in uh, over in romans chapter 7 but he had a little parenthesis there you read that he said that is in my flesh yes. it's important that we distinguish our flesh from us you are not your flesh no. you are not your body you know it's been said before i don't see you here today you don't see me we just see each other's house. We see the house that we live in. I'm, uh, I'm looking at, at you through the little windows. All right? I don't really see you. The real me is much better looking than the part that you see. And vice versa. Huh? He's, he's got it. The real me has got it all together in every way. Flawless. 
That's the real me because I'm in Christ. And these are the things I need to be aware of that in Christ, man, how can I have a bad vision? But if I'm just mindful of the flesh and mindful of outward stuff, then I'll be limited. But if I'm mindful of what the Lord has done in me, that will create a new vision in me. All right. So we are to acknowledge every good thing which is in us in Christ, not acknowledge everything bad. Oh, I'm just worm of the dust. No, you're not. In Christ, everything's good. Everything's right. Everything's been perfected. Doesn't mean we're not responsible for the flesh. I'm responsible for the way I think. It's my responsibility to take care of my body. But it's not me. Hmm. Like the guy who I heard uh, was driving through town. 25 mile an hour zone. He goes buzzing through at 55. Officer pulls him over. Says, hey, man, what are you doing? You're going 55 in a 25. And the guy says, well, sir, uh, actually, that wasn't me. That was my flesh. And the real me would never do that. But my flesh did that. And so the officer said, okay, I understand. Uh, so what we're going to do is we're just going to, uh, because, you know, the real you didn't do it, but you were in there. We're going to fine your spirit $100, and we're going to throw your flesh in jail for a week. <laughs> <laughs> the point being, we're still responsible <laughs> for everything our flesh does. And we're not going to sit back and say, well, that's not the real me. Well, it's not, but we've got to control that part of us. Amen. So we've got to think and speak in line with the Word of God. Number three. Ask God to enlighten the eyes of your understanding. You want to have a victorious vision? You know we did a series on this recently. Ask the Lord from Ephesians 1 to enlighten the eyes of your understanding. Number four, pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. It's very important that I learn how to pray in the Spirit. If you've not been baptized in the Spirit yet, uh, you're saved, but you've never been baptized in the Spirit Get ready, get ready, get ready. I tell you what, it'll, it'll be something that will absolutely change your life and gives you the ability to pray out the future. Amen. How many, know, how many know when a person speaks in other tongues that it doesn't come out of their mind? Now listen, sometimes it comes through your mind. It doesn't come out of your mind. Where does it come from? It comes directly out of the part of you that's been born again directly out of that new part where the Holy Spirit dwells, where you become one spirit with the Lord. And He gives you the supernatural language. What are you praying about? Well, oftentimes we're praying about mysteries and divine secrets from God. We're praying out our future and what the Lord wants us to do, where He wants us to go. And as we pray these things out, the Lord will show us. And we'll get, uh, oftentimes you get, uh, well, I mean, not don't get wrong expectations, not every time, but you can get uh, pictures, vision of your future. And you keep, those, you keep that vision before you so you know which way to go. Let's finish up with Habakkuk chapter 2. Understand that it can potentially take 
a long period of time to rewrite your vision. If you've been surrounded by and looking at the wrong thing for a long time, that is what is inside of you. That's the picture, the image, the vision that you have. And it can take a while to rewrite it. All right. Again, it's one of those things that no laying on a hand service changes that. Okay, it takes a while to rewrite that vision by continually looking at the right thing. Every day you got to go to the water trough and look at the strips. Hmm. And then you'll have spotted cows. Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 1. I will stand my watch I will s- and set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected. Then the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. At the end it will speak and it will not lie though it tarries. Wait for it because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Of course, it gives us some practical keys to vision, writing things down. Where do you want to go? What do you want to see? Write it down. I know there have been times in my life, in our married life, where we have uh, done that with the prayer of agreement, where we actually write the prayer down. That way you can be in agreement and pray it exactly the same, where we write the prayer down and that way you've always got it before you. No wavering. If you ever wonder, is this going to happen? Well, let's go check. Yep. It's going to happen. Because we got it when we prayed. We got it exactly written down. And we've seen things like that where they were on a piece of paper for years. But then later, you have it. Exactly what's written down becomes a reality. And your prayer, what you've asked, of course, becomes your vision. Aren't we supposed to see things that way? If I pray and ask the Lord for something, shouldn't I then see myself with it? See myself in it? Having it? So forth? Doing what I prayed? That's what we're supposed to do. And so writing it down, he mentions that. Uh, You know, another key here, just um, kind of a side note to this, but sometimes sowing into somebody else's vision is going to be key to you uh, reaching and, and having your vision fulfilled. All right. The Lord takes a tremendous, puts a tremendous amount of value on a person who will serve another and who will sow into the vision of another and say, I want certain things for my life. Great. Fine. Good. Probably God. Help somebody else get what they want. Yeah. Hmm. Help. Say, how do I help them? Well, probably numerous different ways. But help somebody else get what they want. Help somebody else's vision come to pass. And that is key to your vision coming to pass. And of course, we should always do this. Never give up. Never give up. You'll notice in this case, uh, with Habakkuk, he said this vision for his life was for an appointed time. It was for an appointed time. There are some things that the Lord would have you and I to do, and it's on his calendar. Hmm. The Lord has got it planned out. He's got it figured out when something should take place. I, I believed um, 20 years ago that I was to be uh, a pastor. 
And it took a while to get there. And I served as, you know, in pastoral ministry for a long time. But as far as doing what I'm doing now, it took a while. It took years because it wasn't time. But it was still the vision. It was still the vision. And some things do take time. You remember Joseph? Joseph, a man in the Old Testament. And uh, he had a unique life. <laughs> but, of course, the Lord, Lord gave him a, a vision through a dream. And uh, Joseph was the man with the coat of many colors and all the brothers that hated him. And, and Joseph had a, had, had a dream. And without going through all that in great detail, some of it was his brothers were going to all bow down to him. And... and and, all, and, of course, he told the story, and he went from having this great vision and great dream about his glorious future, uh, he went to the bottom of a pit. Hmm. But how many know his vision wasn't pit? If you have a vision for your life and you stand on the word of God and you say, I'm going to have this come to pass in my life. I'm believing for God's best and nothing shy of it. I'm going to have his best. If you find yourself in a pit real soon, what should you do? Should you throw up your hands and say, this is the pits. (laughs) Should you throw up your hands and say, what is going on here? Why isn't this working? Why is everything falling apart? No, you stay with the vision. If you're in a pit, but you don't have pit vision, that means you're coming out of the pit. Hmm? What is your vision? Is your vision to go down? Is your vision for things to get worse, for there not to be enough, for, for things not to work out? No. Then if they're not working out, that's a guarantee. That's only temporary. Amen. You can be in the pit, close your eyes, and see the palace. And if you're ever going to get from the pit to the palace, you can't have pit vision. Amen. I remember uh, uh, a while back, Ron Kusmal was talking to me about how some of, in some of the places in Africa, how some of the women would carry their children. They would, uh, they put them in their back, on a, in a pack on their back. I guess they do that here some, but uh, they put the children in their backpack facing forward and I guess it caused a lot of problems physically and in their lives because they all had very short vision. I don't remember all the details but they, they, they figured this out. It was causing problems in the kids because all they could see was the back of their mother's head. And it was, it, it was a detriment to them physically and in other ways as well when they grew up. I thought, well, that's interesting. How many know that's, you can see that we're not supposed to be just looking right here. We're supposed to see out there. And even when we get to a place, we think, yes, I'm walking in it. Keep looking out there, though. It's not all about short term. There are some short term things we should be aware of and we should be conscious of. But we should all be thinking long term. Hmm. How many know a few years with the Lord is nothing? And even in Joseph's life, where it took him years to get to the fulfillment of the dream that God had placed before him. You know, he went from the pit, he went to being a slave and a servant, and he went to jail. And all this stuff happened before he got to the palace, before he came, became a ruler in Egypt. And, uh, and listen, I'm not saying that it's God's plan that we go into a pit. I don't believe it is. Not God's 
plan that we be a slave and have to go to jail or anything. But I'm just saying, whatever happens in the meantime between the time I get a vision from the Lord and the time that it's fulfilled, I've got to keep my eye in the right place. Stay single-minded and keep my focus there and continue to say, well, I see what's happening now, but it's not where I'm going. I see the way things are now. It's not staying this way. I believe I'm coming out. I believe I'm coming up. And everything the Lord shows me is coming to pass. And this is a lot of what the Lord shows us right here. And other things the Lord will show you while you pray. He'll show you in the nighttime. He'll give you visions and dreams. And those are the things we need to lock onto. Some of them will take a while. Some of them, it'll be some time before they come to pass. But if we'll keep our focus, we'll keep those things before us, it eventually will manifest in our lives. Amen. Amen. And so never give up. And never quit. And never be discouraged. And never let uh, the current circumstance or situation get you to focus on it. Get you to all this stuff. There's so many distractions. That's, the word I, that's one of the words I just remembered. I heard that right before, before the service. Many, many are being distracted from the focus that God wants them to have. Sometimes it's a, another it's one of those relationships that's a distraction. Sometimes it can be other things. It can be just attacks and, and, and problems. It gets people distracted so they stop looking in the right way, the right thing, because if they stop looking, they forget. We're all forgetful. Amen. But keep looking. Keep focusing. Don't be distracted by... Temptation, don't be distracted by uh, attack or even just busyness. So busy that we lose our focus and therefore lose the vision and therefore don't become what God wants us to, to become. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Victory. Victory is ours today. Victory is ours today. A vision of victory. Father, thank you today. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your word. It is life to us. It is strength. It is health. Lord, your word gives us a picture of tomorrow, of what things will be if we continue to look at what you've described and what you've, the picture you've painted for our lives. Lord, I ask that each and every person now would be strengthened by your spirit in their inner man, strengthened to do what's right, strengthened to make tough decisions. For those you've spoken to here tonight about choices, about decisions, about going a different direction, Lord, I thank you that you empower and strengthen them to make those decisions. Lord, I thank you for vision now for every one of us, a vision of Christ in us, the hope of glory, a vision of victory on every side. And Lord, for every specific and every individual call and specific thing you would have us to do, Lord, you're faithful to show us things to come so that we can continue to look unto you for the fulfillment and the manifestation of your promise. Lord, we honor you. We bless you tonight. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your faithfulness. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Father, I pray for anyone here tonight who's never been saved.